Hey everybody, welcome to the Bullproof Marketer. Uh, Christopher Tompkins here, serving up some red hot, no bullshit marketing advice for marketers by marketers. Um, we have a fantastic show today. We have some really great guests as well as some fantastic late breaking news topics to cover. So I'm very, very excited about today's show. If you are joining us for the first time, welcome. Uh, our show is all about going through, cutting through all of the noise in the digital marketing world and finding what is some of the best piece of advice that you can utilize for yourself uh, and your own business to kind of level it up. And, you know, if you're a marketer out there and you are just kind of feeling a little bit bombarded and feel overwhelmed, yo, Welcome to the party. That's kind of our role, but I want to make life a little bit easier and the Bulletproof Marketer is here to do that. So with that said, we also have a companion uh, newsletter that goes along with our show. I urge anybody that is listening today to sign up. It comes out every single day and it is the cream of the crop of all of the new trends that are coming out and being released each day. News, things that you need to be uh, you know, abreast of. And also some really great things to make you sound pretty smart on internal calls, sales calls, and at the water cooler. So check that out. You can go to gosalesandmarketing.com and uh, sign up. So go to gosalesandmarketing.com and you'll have a pop-up that will just uh, assault you as soon as you get there. If you stay around for a little while, you can take a look at the blog page, which has lots of fantastic uh, advice and articles that we've compiled for you over the years, um, dealing with many different topics of digital marketing. So take your time, take a look through, uh, and hopefully you can find some things that are useful, some um, eBooks there as well for you. But Let's go through a little bit about today. Uh, we have our BPM trend spotter segment, which we're going to kick off in just a few minutes. And then I'm going to be speaking to two fantastic guests and some great segments we have coming up. I have Matt Wool of Acceleration Partners, and he's going to be talking about um, affiliate programs and partner programs, but basically the next level of those. So I'm really excited to speak to Matt. And then also we have James Shearer of Codeless, and he's going to be talking about the power the absolute power of content and how you can level up your content marketing program, which is something that I think a lot of us are, are concerned with nowadays and kind of how do I do this and how do I scale? So I'm really, I'm really excited to speak to both Matt and James coming up. Then we have our good old BPM uh, versus Stockholm syndrome, where I'm gonna be talking about competitors and getting real with you as to what you really need to be paying attention to. And then um, we will share a silver bullet with you, um, which is a, just a really great tip that you can immediately put into your day-to-day -day marketing life that will make a difference. So we'll be sharing that and then we'll do a really quick wrap up. So we have a pretty packed show. So without further ado, let's get in. Okay. So let's go into the BPM trend spotter. So this is where we're going to be covering the most interesting news and trends that we have developed over the past week. And of course, I'm going to be giving my spin on them. So I've been watching the Bulletproof Marketer newsletter, which I just mentioned over the week. And there was a few topics that I picked out that I wanted to bring to you. Um, so this is where we're going to talk about them. So some of these you may have heard of or you may not have, but I just want to give you a little bit of a highlighter underneath some of these so that you can, you can kind of take a look at them later. So the first story that I have this week is um, this, the news that Twitter is going to create Twitter shops. So there's going to be more space to shop on Twitter. So this was um, this is a currently Twitter is launching this as a beta experiment. Um, 
And Twitter Shops is going to allow merchants to handpick a collection of up to 50 products to showcase on Twitter. So it's a free to use uh, feature and it gives uh, people the chance to view products from the profiles of their favorite brands. Uh, so when you talk about and discover products on the timeline, you can now browse, browse them on Twitter as well. So that's pretty cool. Um, this, is a, this is a very um, interesting thing for a lot of different um, businesses and merchants. So there's going to be a shop module. There's going to be a live shopping module. There's going to be shopping manager. So there's going to be lots of different features that you're going to want to pay attention to. So is this something that you're going to be doing today after you finish listening to this fantastic podcast? Um, no, it's not available for everybody yet, but it's something for you to consider. Now, I know a lot of you out there um, kind of go deaf or go silent on Twitter for long periods of time just because, hey, it's not bringing me any sales. Well, that is a typical response I hear about Twitter because there's there's people that love it and people that are just absolutely indifferent. It's not necessarily love and hate, it's love and don't care. So I think that you should care a little bit about Twitter because it is a really fantastic platform that the people that do use it love it. Now, obviously, one of the things that I've shared in a past episode of our show is that um, there's a very small number of really powerful Twitter accounts that do account for nearly 80% or 75% of all of Twitter's activity. That does not mean, that doesn't mean to say that Twitter is an absolute useless medium. Uh, with the in invention and kind of the um, plugging in of the shopping module, Twitter is, is kind of trying to jump back in the race and trying to make itself more relevant for brands because a lot of people use Twitter for thought leadership and this is kind of opening the shopping elements up again. So for me, I believe that this is gonna be a really great play for brands that um, are into advertising. Uh, I mean, obviously if you have something that you can shop, great, you can use the shop, but really this is going to be an advertising play eventually. So I do think that if you are doing Instagram and Facebook shops and you're tagging your products and all that good stuff, it's gonna be available on Twitter. So make sure that you have a test budget that you allocate for this when it comes out. And also I'm sure it'll be a pain in the ass to put together. So you're going to need a little bit of time and bandwidth. Uh, so get, your, get yourself all geared up to start inputting those into I'm sure a brand new method that Twitter is going to allow you to do. Um, because Twitter does things differently, right? Facebook and Instagram, they're the same company, it's meta. So um, this is different. So just putting this on your radar, I'm guessing that they're going to roll this out probably hardcore by the end of summer pre-fall, and then this should be available for the holiday season. So possibly Twitter might be something that you think about building or investing in over this year to build up your audience and some engagement so that when you when you are getting into fourth quarter, which for many product-based companies is make or break, you're ready to go. So those are Twitter shops. Now, something else um, that's pretty darn interesting if we're looking at features is Amazon. Is I saw this in TechCrunch and I wanted to share it with you. And it's Amazon launched the live radio app, AMP, A-M-P. And it's going to allow you to play DJ with music and Collins. So this is interesting. Okay, this is different. And this is why I'm interested in this because this is a different service than is offered on other platforms. So this is what Amazon is considered their clubhouse competitor. 
So this new uh, mobile app is called AMP and it allows people to create live radio shows where they can act as a DJ by taking callers and playing tracks from its catalog. Um, so that's like obviously whatever's in your catalog. So if you have an Amazon music pass, uh, anything that's on there, you'd be able to add it to this. So it's easy to share your voice and your favorite songs um, in this app. And basically you decide your show, create a playlist, and then you are just very, very minutes away from creating your show. So what does this mean for everybody? Number one, I think it's a pretty cool idea um, in terms of uh, reaching an audience on Amazon with something that's a little bit more disruptive. So um, what I'm thinking is that first steps first, let's get the creators interested. So this is what Amazon's currently trying to do, to do with this, making it all free, making it very easy. And then obviously what it's going to do is, I'm guessing, tie advertising to it. And then that's where people that have created the shows will be able to monetize them. So is this Amazon's way of creating um, a sponsored podcast model very quickly and kind of backdoor it? Quite possibly. I have not used this app myself, um, but it does make it an interesting idea that you could just choose, uh, you can kind of basically curate a playlist and act like you have a, a radio show that people can tune into with music. I think that's pretty cool. Um, that's not available on other platforms. So I, I do find that kind of interesting. Um, but uh, especially because this one, uh, all the other Clubhouse rivals always focuses on talk. And this is differentiated itself by focusing on a, a broad music catalog. So if you haven't heard of this, it's definitely something that you need to take a look at because everybody's getting into the quote unquote social audio space. You know, Twitter has spaces, Facebook has live audio rooms, Spotify has green room. Um, there's a lot of things out there and this is the new one. Now, what does this mean for your business? I don't know just yet, um, this is too new, but I do know that social audio is something that is important, but social audio also can be considered podcasting. So if you're not even doing podcasting, you need to start taking the steps to maybe get yourself or your um, whoever is a spokesperson of your company onto um, podcasts as a guest, or just to kind of start making that bridge. Because social audio, just like video, come on, video is like old news, but a lot of people still haven't jumped into it or know how to do it. So podcast gives you, podcasting gives you a really good uh, step forward into this world. So take it, folks, jump in. So that's good old Amazon and AMP. Then we have another one of my favorites, which is Clavio. Clavio is an email marketing and um, SMS text uh, platform for marketing. And they've added in a few new engagement features. So if you are doing email marketing or text marketing, um, using Clavio, there's some goodies that they put in um, that I think are pretty interesting. So the new capabilities that it's releasing are um, form teasers is one of them, which is a sign-up form that appears at the, at the right time as an unobtrusive tab in the corner of a site visitor screen. So it's very, very tiny and gives you just a little teaser, which is very cool. Profile merging automatically merges separate email only and phone number only profiles for the same customer. That's amazingly time saving. So I'm really pleased they're doing that. Um, they're doing um, Clavio hosted mobile terms of service for getting brands started on SMS. That is a very, very challenging factor for many brands that are jumping into that. 
So I think that's pretty damn cool. There's two-way SMS conversations with Zendesk, which is going to be a plugin. Um, and that's going to help brands respond to incoming help, tech, help desk texts, which is very, very important, um, which is fantastic. Webhook flow actions. So it's going to be sending data via a webhook to a third-party platform at a specific point in a customer journey, which builds automation, uh, which is phenomenal. And they've redesigned the performance dashboard for compiling customers' data into a single, single view. These are the top ones that they are um, they're executing. They're also um, looking, um, making sure in the coming months, they're going to release new APIs to improve flexibility, to cover more product areas, um, standardization for ease of use, and connectivity to make APIs more efficient. Now, if you're utilizing email marketing and text marketing, you know how smooth the whole ship needs to sail. So all of these things are really great and forward thinking for Clavio. So I just wanted to kind of highlight that for everybody. So that when you're coming up with how, you're, if you're coming up with any sort of new campaigns, which I'm sure you are over the next uh, months, maybe you can take a look at some of these features and how they can plug into your approach. Then the last news um, article that I have for today, I thought is just something that just some food for thought. 97% of companies, this is from Marketing Tech Magazine, said 97% of companies have moved at least part of their digital marketing in-house. And uh, what it says here is there was a report that was done and um, it basically says that 97% of companies have moved at least a part of their uh, digital marketing in-house. 49% of marketers are working remotely full-time. 67% of brands have increased their digital marketing initiatives. Shocker. Um, the uh, main priority for industries advancing their digital strategies this year is wanting to build a more efficient data strategy. Uh, also, 48% report that the demand for content has increased over the past 12 months, et cetera, et cetera. So what can we really learn here? I believe that companies are understanding that, and companies and brands are understanding that digital marketing is serious. It's a real thing. And you can hire experts in-house that you can manage as part of a whole team. They can be put into your department. You can hire them. They can work for you and they can be specialized. Whereas, you know, when we started the Go Agency um, 14 plus years ago, one of the things was that there was no real rhyme or reason to digital marketing. So it was kind of like, a, you know, the wild, wild west. Everyone was making false claims or they were making claims that they thought to be true that they couldn't prove, et cetera. What's the ROI? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know where I'm going. So with that said, it's uh, interesting now how, the, how everything has changed. So now that um, it was outsourcing these services was the most cost effective. Now, it seems that hiring people is something that's more important um, for a lot of companies. Do I think that this is strange? No, I don't. Um, does it worry me as someone who provides services? Absolutely not. There are many services that uh, companies have in-house that they go and they look for extra, extra additional expertise in the outside for, or guidance or kind of a refresh. And that's what firms like, like my firm are great at, right? We're, we're great at setting up some new things, refreshing things, get, um, fixing things that are stuck and getting results and showing them how, to, how 
companies how to get them. Because my goal when I take a client on is not to deal with them forever in terms of digital. We would love for them to be able to take it in-house and then realize their full potential because they would be living and breathing it rather than you know having another person translate their thoughts and feelings. So it'd be more reactive um, and proactive, well, I'm sorry, more proactive rather than reactive, which is really powerful. And it reduces drag sometimes on response. So with that said, you know, this is it's it's encouraging to see that these changes are going to be made. Uh, do I think that that is going to cut down on the number of people that are calling themselves consultants? Absolutely not. That has nothing to do with it at all. This just shows to me that companies are starting to take this seriously. They're starting to invest more money. They're starting to look at the different elements of this and understanding that, yes, this is where we need to spend some money. It's not a place where we can say, oh, I only have $100 to spend on a Facebook ad. Can I make $25 million off of that? I think we're getting into a place where people are becoming more sophisticated, which is phenomenal for us marketers because it makes us an, it makes it more um, realistic, the playing field that we're dealing with. So just wanted to throw that out there. I thought it was a very interesting statistic. Um, that's a very high statistic as well. But that is, folks, the BPM trend spotter. So up next, <clears throat> have a fantastic interview with Matt Wool of Acceleration Partners. And he's going to be telling us about affiliate programs and partner programs and kind of how you can get started. But what do you do if it's not working? And if you are working on a program, how can you make it just really explode? So he has some really great nuggets that I'm going to be asking him after the break. So tune in in just a minute and we'll be talking to Matt Wool on the other side of this on The Bulletproof Marketer. Hey parents, are you looking to make it easy to promote your child's development? Well, I want to introduce my go-to, which is Motor Planet. Motor Planet is a powerful developmental program designed to enhance your child's skills. Their software-based program offers fun, motivating activities designed to challenge your child's abilities. So we're talking fine motor skills, visual motor and perceptional skills, physical strengthening, overall conditioning, enhanced sensory processing. At Motor Planet, they strive to help your children grow. If you'd like to learn more on how this fantastic app works, there is a one week free trial and that is courtesy of Motor Planet. So if you wanna grab that on your Android or Apple device, visit them online today. It's motorplanet.com. That's M-O-T-O-R-P-L-A-N-I-T.com. All right, folks, and we are back. Okay, so I have a fantastic guest for you today. We're gonna to be talking about something a little bit different. Well. It's affiliate marketing. Okay, I know we've covered this on a recent show, so don't kill me. It's a big subject, right? Like a 15 minute interview is gonna cover it. We're scratching the surface, but I want to scratch another plane. I am so tired of the intro talk that we're having. And that's why I wanted to bring on um, Matt Wool. Matt is fantastic. Let me just tell you a little bit about him. Um, he's an analytical, creative and forward thinking executive with broad experience and a track record of success at every stage. So obviously a suitable guest, we've vetted. Well done, producer. So for the last eight years, he's helped Acceleration Partners from emphases to its current position as the world's leading partner marketing agency. So um, he oversees day-to-day -day operations of the company and drives strategy along with the CEO and our leadership team. 
So um, early in his career, he also developed and sold film projects for Disney and his own company, which is pretty interesting. So without further ado, Matt, welcome to the Bulletproof Marketer. Thanks very much. Great to be here. Excellent. So, okay, that was your illustrious bio. Um, uh, what, what, what did I miss? What did I miss? What else uh, could yes. I add to that? So uh, I guess quickly, you know, Acceleration Partners is, is the largest um, uh, agency in the world that's really focused on what we would call partnership marketing, which includes affiliate marketing, but there are a lot of other pieces to it, um, influencer and, and other areas of partnerships that we're involved in too. So we see it as a, as a, a larger uh, grouping of stuff, not just what might traditionally be called affiliate, but that's a big part of what we do. Great. I, I love that. I love that um, explanation because I do feel that affiliate marketing as a title kind of does turn people off. And I think that um, not all people, um, because the people that are in the know that know the value of it can understand what, what it is. But I do like the partner. I like partner program a lot um, more. It feels more close to my heart and my where I'm at. Um, but OK, so uh, one of the things that I, I've kind of learned is that there's there's pretty much different levels that you can be or kind of where your entry point is to a discussion about what do you do with this with, with this this vehicle, um, which is very powerful. So. Um, so what do you say to a company that doesn't have an affiliate partner, uh, affiliate or a partner program and wants to start one? Yeah. So what I say to them is, uh, first make sure that you've got some, uh, enough resources to actually put into it. Right. One of the big differences about these kinds of programs from just throwing up ads on Facebook, for example, is that, uh, it takes time. I mean, it's relationships, right? It's a lot closer to business development. And so a lot of companies, they say, Hey, I want to do this. I want to do affiliate, but you know, I want to have an intern spend ten minutes a week on it, and and ultimately that that that's not going to fly, right? It, it does require commitment and resourcing. So honestly, that that's the biggest thing. Make sure it's something that you've got in your budget that you're paying attention to, that you have you know energy and time to to put into it at a at a reasonably senior level, or else, frankly, it's not going to work. Yeah, and I and I think that's kind of it does hold true with a lot of different things and new initiatives in marketing. When it's kind of like let's get an intern and we'll just we'll just try it out. Well, the thing is that when when I speak to people like that, when I'm talking to them as prospects on the other side of the coin, after the intern doesn't work, and they say, yeah, you know what, um, social media advertising is BS. We, we never got anything. And then I'm like, well, can I just take a look at what you guys did before? And then I take a look and it's like a pixelated image with a misspelled ad copy. <laughs> exactly. That's targeting right? everyone with life in their body. It's yep, kind exactly. of, yeah, maybe not so right. <laughs> so, okay, so then we have the, the other fantastic version, which is, hey, they put, in the, they put in the effort, they got the structure built, they got everything going, um, but it's just not really doing anything that's super exciting. It's more stagnant and, and the company's growing, but it's just like, why isn't this growing with me? What do you say to someone like that? Yeah, so really too many companies get to that stage, which is unfortunate. And, and usually what it comes down to is they're not actually thinking about their program in a strategic way, right? Uh, you know, what, what, a, what a lot of companies do is they go to kind of a quote unquote usual suspects uh, range of partners, folks that they've seen before. A lot of them are maybe, you know, if, if you're in retail, they're coupon sites or loyalty sites. And there is certainly a place for those kinds of, of partners. But what, what we find is that the real interesting stuff and the real growth happens when people get beyond the first kind of level of partners and they start getting into the partners that are actually truly strategically aligned with, with their business, 
right? So I think too many companies don't think about really, honestly, the basic product market fit stuff, right? Like, what's my business? What's my product? What are my economics? What can I afford to pay? You know, what should my CAC be, right? They actually don't go through those exercises in looking at the affiliate channel. Because when you go through that, you start to realize, oh, like, you know, there are a uh, hundred publishers over here that may not be that big, but that are, are right on for my audience, right? And if I can work with them and I can get the economics right with them, that's going to really drive growth in ways that going with just kind of, a, you know, again, a, a coupon site might not. So I think in the same way that you've got to optimize social media advertising, and I'm sure that's a big part of what companies focus on, like you've got to do that in the affiliate world. And I think too many companies don't think about that strategically. So how do you how do you really um, identify a partner that is of that level that you're talking about that can really help spur on that growth? Yeah, I, I think a, a big part of it is understanding their audience, right? Understanding mm -hmm. uh, who their users are or whatever their business model is, uh, and then aligning that to your customer, right? Are they speaking directly to your customer? Yeah. Um, a big part of it is their business model. Um, you know, a lot of our clients, for example, are, uh, you know, they want their brand associated with a certain type of a publisher. And, uh, and so they, you know, they're, they're looking closely at, at that and just literally what is that publisher doing and how do they represent themselves. Um, and then a third part is economics. Um, you know, th there are a lot of publishers uh, that are very focused on on simply making the most money that they can, in which case, you know, you have to focus on your commission rate as compared to your competitor's commission rate. There are others that are much more focused on what's good for their for their user, right? And they're actually willing to take potentially lower commission rates in exchange for, you know, maybe it's inside information or uh, some kind of product exclusive or, or something else that excites their user base. Uh, so it's not just about that direct commission level. So these are all things that you have to take into account when you're thinking about about what publishers we write for your for your program. So so now like you you know we're we're talking about kind of finding the right partners, getting that growth going, um, your company's growing, and then you're going into different regions and and even thinking of maybe mo moving into a more of a global rather than like a local focus. How um, how is how can you? And, and see those opportunities and realize them within an affiliate program? Yeah, so that, that's a really good question. And, and it, it, it varies in a lot of ways, right? So if you have no presence in a market, for example, uh, let, let's say you're an American company and you want to break into the UK market, but you really are brand new in the UK market. If you just go to a lot of publishers in, in the UK and say, hey, come work with me, chances are they are going to be pretty hesitant to do that because they can see that you don't have much of a presence. And so their willingness to put a lot of energy into that may be limited. But by the same token, there are publishers that will do things. Uh, there, there, are, there are publishers that, for example, will do paid search for you um, on a full performance basis through the affiliate program, right? And so you can say, hey, look, I'm looking at the UK. I want to figure out if that's a good market for me. Um, I don't want to necessarily go and hire a, 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 an agency yet, right, uh, on a fixed fee retainer basis. I want to approve the market first. So I'm going to go and I'm going to actually work through the affiliate channel with publishers that can actually do some of that for me on a performance basis. It might be a little bit more expensive, right, at the end of the day, but because you're, you're paying it on performance, your risk is greatly reduced and they can help you actually penetrate that market and figure out whether that there is 
a place for you there. And then you can go make the decision to expand your presence. So we've seen a lot of companies actually do this where they use the affiliate program as almost a tip of the spear effort using some of these different kinds of publisher models, paying them on performance, mitigating their risk, and then saying, okay, now I've built my, my, my position and I can expand into the more traditional stuff and hire agencies and do all the other things. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's so smart. Um, I mean, we're talking, we're talking about growth, obviously, now, and, you know, getting, getting global and, and getting all these chain these channels and kind of reigniting something that's kind of flat. So, um, well, that's, that's all well and good. One of the other things that kind of that's going on in the marketing world is we're seeing lots of major changes to um, policies, especially ad policies and effectiveness of lots of different platforms. Uh, I mean, for example, on Facebook and Instagram in particular, um, the, uh, I think it was a 30 to 40% organic um, reduction in posts that are being put out and served to, to target audience members that are already connected to the page and engaging with it without advertising. So the organic side of things are going away. So people are starting to go focus on more ads. Shocker, wonder why they're doing that. It's like, is it a business <laughs> or something? Anyway, I don't know. I don't know. It totally flummoxed me. I am confused. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that's happening. And so then on top of that, we have privacy and then the privacy is hurting the retargeting. So there's all of these things. It's like an amalgam. And then you throw a Google and Amazon into the mix and it's kind of, you're in a quagmire, um, a lot of businesses where they are super depending on those results. And those results are starting to get watered down. Where does affiliate marketing bolster that or kind of come in to kind of, I don't want to say necessarily save the day, but per create another opportunity? Yeah. So it's a really good question. There's something that we were talking about a lot right now. So yeah. look, Facebook, Google are platforms that are, they're not going anywhere, right? companies are going to be using them, smart marketers are going to be using them, and, right. and they should be, right? But our perspective is that they hold too much power in the relationship, right? In the way that you were just talking about. So if you are using Instagram or Facebook, and all of a sudden your organic reach is cut 40%, you really don't have a lot of choices if all your eggs are in that basket. So what a lot of companies are doing, and I think where affiliate comes into this, is they are starting to view uh, marketing a little bit more like a stock portfolio, right? And they're saying, okay, I've got, I've got, I've got, you know, Facebook, I've got Instagram, I've got Google, I've got TikTok or whatever, but I need to diversify my portfolio because if there is a shock to the system in any one of those big channels, if I'm all in on those, just like if you're all in on, you know, Coca-Cola stock and people stop drinking Coke, you're going to have a problem, right? What's great about the affiliate channel is that it, it, it allows you to diversify and it doesn't allow you to diversify just kind of in one way, right? Because it's not just you're adding one thing because by definition, you're working with partners uh, uh, and potentially lots of partners, you're actually can, can diversify. So it's almost like you're adding a, you know, a mutual fund, right? To a stock portfolio that has lots of other stocks under it. So, uh, so that's how we think about it. And a lot of brands are looking at costs and some of these issues that you're talking about on some of the other platforms. And they're saying, look, I'm not getting off of those platforms by any stretch, but I'm gonna be looking at allocations of budget and thinking about how I can de-risk on some of this stuff while at the same time generating growth and, and brand aligned activity. Okay, so what, um, I'm just gonna get like a little highlighter and, and yeah. metaphorically highlight the last thing that Matt said. Yeah. Um, any smart marketer is looking at new ways of kind of diversifying how they're going to be reaching their target audience. If you were putting all of your um, your eggs into the advertising budget, because 
four years ago, you hacked an algorithm that you can just copy and paste every single month and get a certain amount of leads. It's over, dude. It's over. It's not going to work like that forever. Um, you're going to have to figure out other ways of working on um, building those leads. And definitely one way of doing that is the affiliate partner approach. I do feel like it's a really salient way of kind of adding something new to the mix that you might be a little bit afraid of. Um, but I mean, if we're looking at things that marketers are afraid of that they have to jump into right now, um, affiliate marketing has been around and has been proven for many years. Then we have the metaverse. What are you doing there, folks? Yeah, I, I don't hear any answers. So um, not nothing. Yeah, yeah, good. I don't know either. So I'm not acting like I'm, I'm like not on like a high horse here. <laughs> but, I don't know. What, but, I don't... but here's what I'll say about the metaverse, though, which I think is really interesting. I think the metaverse actually becomes a huge affiliate marketing play. Oh, yeah, right? I agree. You know, I mean, because you, you can click on a billboard in the, in the metaverse. You can't click on the billboard that you're driving by. Right. So, yeah, it, I mean, it's it's really interesting, but that, that'll be a different nut to crack. <laughs> no, exactly. Because I think I think we're all like I think marketers are all like in their little like marketing holes where yeah, we're like we're, we're exactly. like we're sequestered from all of the sales heroes that are like that like. <laughs> the princes on the steeds that are slaying the dragons and we're kind of just like okay i, I made the sword i gave him i trained him on how to fight I, you know right, I mean? exactly exactly so um but yeah doing. but i i definitely i definitely agree but i think that even with um I, I mean the metaverse is one of them also like having to like how i'm a i'm a law firm how am i going to use tiktok okay these are things that are <laughs> these are things that are on your uh on your ether of co concern right um, yeah. So you're going to eventually have to pay attention to that. But at, right now you have something that you're not paying attention to that's just equally as hard and confusing that has already has proven results behind it. So that's one of the things that I've been kind of trying to push people, Matt, to towards affiliate um, programs and looking into it. Well, and if I could say, you know, one, one other thing on this, I think that's really important. Um, when, you know, the model of Facebook and Google and so many of these other channels uh, or platforms is that they control the price right? Like, yes, it is yes. an auction, but really they control the pricing model, right? Sure. What is very different about partner programs is that the brand controls the pricing. You are setting the commission. You were saying, I'm going to pay X, you know, rev share or CPA, or I'm willing to pay Y for a post to an influencer or whatever it is, right? And that really changes the economic dynamic when you're thinking about your budget. Because if you are sitting there as a marketer and you have, you know, your budget of whatever it is, a million dollars this year, right? If, if, if cost per click in one of your channels goes up 50%, then, you know, within that million dollars, you're going to be scrambling to figure out how am I going to maintain the same kind of volume, right? So by controlling the economics on at least a portion of what you're doing, right, you are able to uh, take a lot more control over your budget and your budget allocation. And I think, again, you know, de-risk potentially how you're looking at it. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, now, uh, so, so really interesting points about affiliate marketing. Before we kind of wrap things up, is there any kind of like last parting shot about affiliate or any kind of trends or anything that you just want to kind of lay on the audience? Uh, look, the main thing I will lay on, again, I, I, I kind of said it earlier about the intern thing. Most companies where, where they mess this up is they don't put enough resources into it. And we see this all the time. And it's not just small companies. We see it at Fortune 500 companies that have a $100 million affiliate program or something like that. And they've got, you know, a very junior person with 10, you know, spending 20% of their time on it. You would never do that with the equivalent size program in any other channel that you're 
running, right? So I think the last parting shot I will say is if this is something you're interested in, if you want to do this, like making sure that you have the internal uh, commitment and resourcing to, to do it right is going to make all the difference. And that's what companies really should be thinking about. Okay, I have one, one follow-up to that. What, yeah. what, why are they doing that? It is for, I think, long historical reasons. Uh, for many years, the affiliate channel was kind of, you know, kept in the basement by, by a lot of CMOs. And, and there were good reasons for that. You know, there was a lot of shady stuff that happened uh, in the early 2000s and mid-2000s. And I think it, it got a bad reputation, um, you know, over, you know, over the last 10 years, a lot of that has changed. Uh, you know, it's become, uh, it, it's, it's become much more, I think, above board in so many ways. You know, now we have tech platforms valued at, you know, impact is it just came out at a billion and a half dollar valuation. Uh, like, you know, it's become a real player and that's, that's changed. But I think especially at some organizations that are maybe a little bit older school, there's still that perception number one. Number two, I think there is also a perception of it's quote unquote easy money because a lot of companies do just, you know, work with the top 10 affiliates and they do just kind of do the bare minimum. And you can drive a lot of revenue that way for sure without a lot of effort. But in order to get, you know, the real growth beyond that, that that's where it's really going to take, take the, the resourcing. Matt, it's been such a pleasure talking to you about this. I, I think that there's there's lots of uh, not, lots of knowledge bombs been dropped in this one that I think will be useful for everybody. Um, if people want to learn more about you, where's the best way for them to find you and connect with you? Yep, uh, accelerationpartners.com. Uh, we're, we're all over the world. You can find us uh, pretty much anywhere and uh, come check it out. Okay, Matt. Well, thanks for joining us on the Bulletproof Marketer. Uh, it's been great. Thanks, it's been awesome. Excellent. All right, folks, after the break, um, another segment. So I'll see you in a minute. If you know me, I like seafood. Yes. Give me a steak or give me a lobster. I'm going to throw the steak out the window and eat the lobster with my bare hands like a caveman. If cavemans had lobster, I don't know what they did. Anyway, um, then being a seafood freak, I was familiar with the brand Cousins Main Lobster when I saw them on Shark Tank because I like watching that just to judge everybody that's on the show. You know how it goes. And uh, so little did I know that they had opened a location just around the corner. Well, I tried out their food, their lobster rolls. All the lobster comes from Maine. It's unbelievable. They have a ton of different things on their menu. The best part about Cousins, there's three different ways that you can get, you can get in touch with this good food. You can find a truck. They do their food trucks. They have restaurants. And also they will actually ship you Maine lobster. Like, okay, my Amazon order came in and then there's a lobster on top of it. I mean, who can say no to that? I mean, I wouldn't, I, I kind of love it. Anyway, you need to find out more about them. Go to CousinsMainLobster.com, um, CousinsMainLobster.com. That's Maine, meaning that the lobster is coming from Maine. Oh, so that's Maine with an E, folks. Um, check them out. You have to, I mean, honestly, look through their pictures of their food and you're going to order something immediately. So check out Cousins Maine Lobster, my choice for seafood, folks. Okay, and we're back. Oh my gosh, did you make it through all those ads? Weren't they amazing? Didn't their voice sound really, really familiar? Yeah, it was, it was me. I, I record those. Isn't that fun? Enough about me. Um, we have a fantastic guest. Um, when I'm talking about content, I always like to talk to James. Um, James Shear is going to be joining us today, and he's the VP of Growth of Codeless, a content marketing agency working with unicorns like Monday.com to drive growth through content at a huge scale. 
Um, he lives in the UK with his wife and he does enjoy hiking in the historic countryside, which is absolutely beautiful over that area where he's at and trying exciting new microbrews, which actually this week is driving me to do earlier, uh, if I can find a parallel there. Um, uh, James, thanks so much for uh, joining us on the Bulletproof Marketer today. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to this. So um, gave you kind of just a little brief intro. What, what other things would you like um, people to know about that, you? For sure. Uh, yeah, so I guess a little bit about me. I started in the world of marketing as a writer. And I graduated as an English grad into a world that didn't have jobs for English graduates. And so I said, oh, I'll do marketing. Uh, and so <laughs> indipitously fell into content and have been there ever since and love it. I uh, love the idea of it. Um, so very enthusiastic about my career path, which is, I think, kind of a rarity in our in our world. But I really do love what I do and love the reasons behind, uh, you know, behind my client's growth through content. It's all actually good stuff that I'm proud of. As far as me, uh, yeah, I would say this week is also driving me towards the pub sooner than later. You know, the pubs are all open over here now. So um, I enjoy trying the microbrews now in public rather than for the past few years, just by myself in my dining room. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. Well, that's excellent. I, I mean, I, I really, it, it's, it's a good time to talk about content because it never really goes out of style. Um, it just constantly evolves, gives us new hoops that we have to jump through in order to get the success that we want out of it. So one of the things I'm always asked about um, at my agency is, um, it's interesting because people will come to me and they will say, okay, do you do content? And it's like, yeah, I do it. <laughs> so they're like, so we need an editorial calendar. I'm like, okay, would you like that on Excel? I mean, it, it's kind of, it, it's, it's one of those questions where all you really want them to say is, do you create content strategies? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. in, in it, for all those people out there that are so desperately looking for a winning content strategy, what would you say to them? What's, what are some tips on creating a winning content strategy? Firstly, have a strategy. I think you're very right. A lot of people say, we need to do content. I've heard that we should do content. Let's go do some content. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah. Why, what are you looking to achieve with content? What types of content are you looking to do? Right. Um, what budget and resources do you have to actually do any of it? So yeah, getting those questions sorted out at the beginning is important. And then I guess some top tips. Uh, the correct content strategy for your business is going to differ significantly based on what stage of your business, what stage of growth you're at, you know? So when we talk about SEO or, or, or the creation of content designed to rank, some of those key phrases, some of those topics that you want to rank for um, are going to be completely infeasible because your business is not able to kind of, it does not have the domain authority or the existing, you know, referring domains and backlinks and all the stuff that you need essentially to, to rank for that, for those key phrases. Um, so creating a content strategy uh, specific to your business based on your business's growth is key. And an easy way to do that is to cheat. And this is how I do it for a lot of our clients is I, we get a new client and they say, sweet, we're gonna do content. I'm like, okay, well, let's actually build a content plan with intention here. And then I look at their content competitors. So if they are in the project management space, I wanna look at the actual competitors that they are legitimately similar to. Not the 
you know, the pie in the sky key phrases or client or, or businesses that, you know, they can't actually compete with at, the, at their stage, but who are they actually competing with and for what key phrases? And from, you know, the lists of, of stuff that other people are ranking for, I can create, okay, here's a list of topics and search terms that we can legitimately rank for within the three to six month period that we're talking about. And I do that based on analysis of the clients or the business's domain rating, the domain authority. Uh, if you're less than 50, give or take, then I wouldn't necessarily target key phrases with higher than, let me get a little bit technical here, but essentially, you know, Ahrefs, SEMrush, Moz, are, they're gonna tell you how competitive a search term is. Mm -hmm. So identifying those search terms that are legitimately attainable for you at your business's stage and with your business's domain authority is really important. Mm -hmm. um, we can talk about that, you know, more in depth if you'd like, but the idea, and I guess the top tip is build a content plan that has intention where every article piece of content that you create uh, is designed to actually rank legitimately and support other content and to generate backlinks and to target, uh, you know, readers that are actually interested in what you do and how you solve a problem. Um, so build a content plan with intention and also build a content plan, plan that has legitimate chance of success. And a lot of people invest in content and then they say, well, we didn't see any results from it in six months. And I say, A, it takes six months and B, you targeted stuff that was totally unattainable. And then they say, well, we don't budget. I'm like, well, we should build a different content plan for you and start over from scratch. <laughs> Yeah, and, and this is this is a combination. I want to highlight that if I could do that with a verbal highlighter. I, I think that just, you know, um, content is definitely something that takes some time to bake um, and takes time to lay ground and roots and grow. Um, it's not something that immediately gives you sales, leads, meetings, demos. It's not something that immediately does that all the time. It does have an opportunity to do that if something gets really big out of the, out of the blue, but that's that's kind of like not the norm. And um, if you were looking for your content, if some if you were going into this thinking that content is going to give you an immediate sale or lead within the first forty eight hours of it executing, understand that there's content that's written that's going to procure your future on the internet, and then there is something else called advertising that you can put your actual dollars in and then look, oh, look at that little move. Oh, oh, oh. Why don't, if you wanna go and play with your beans, go play with your beans over in advertising while you execute your content strategy and then check back in periodically as it grows. Cause I find this a lot too, um, James on my side of things when I'm doing organic social, um, it's kind of like, hey, why didn't that post get 16,000 hits on Facebook? <laughs> You have a minute. I mean, it, it's kind of, you know yeah, what I mean? There's, yeah. there's a little bit more to that than, than um, meets the eye. But I think understanding that um, you have to leave, there's certain marketing channels that you do have to let grow and cultivate. Um, now, one, another thing that is, it, that I'm sure you probably get asked a lot is how can you quit, create a lot of high quality content at scale? Yeah, um, it's challenging because the best content is the, the content that ranks is content that is invested in. So the real answer, the real question is, how do I create content that looks like I spent $2,000 on it and spent a, a week creating it, 
but I can do it in 48 hours and only spend 500 bucks on it. And that's, I guess, the key. Quality can't slip here. So even if we're doing volume or at scale content, this, the quality of it is everything. Uh, so the idea is like, how do we create at volume high quality content? And that's where software comes in realistically. Uh, we have a very comprehensive like process for content creation, which involves editors and writers and whatever, and are primarily freelancers. Uh, but the heart of it is we use a project management tool to uh, kind of facilitate the process of content creation. We use Ahrefs and tools like that to identify the, the best key phrase for us actually to target. The writer then works in Google Docs and allows enables them to share uh, easily and quickly and ha have the editor comment on the exact article. Uh, we use tools like uh, Phrase, ClearScope, Writer.com, SEO Surfer, which are basically SEO analysis tools that, set, that allow uh, the writer to drop in their drafted content and see what they're missing compared to the competition. The currently ranking content for the targeted key phrase, what are they missing in their draft? And then when we deliver that content, our, our editors use tools like writer.com to basically review where, like, is this article, what's the readability score of this article? What's the uh, informality level of this article? Is it casual, is it professional? Are we including contractions and are we cussing? All that stuff can actually be done if you import your brand guidelines into a tool like writer.com and then put copy against those guidelines. It'll tell you when you're missing stuff. We also use Grammarly to check whether or not there are human errors missed, you know, stuff that we missed, um, spelling, grammatical, whatever. Uh, we use AutoCrit to make sure the freelancers aren't uh, plagiarizing content. You know, we use all of these tools. Uh, we film things in Loom to give the, the client a walkthrough of what we've done and why. You know, all of these tools allow us essentially to maintain extremely high quality of content without being super involved at every single stage on an individual level. You don't need to have an editor or an account or, or a manager staring over your writer's uh, shoulder, making sure that they're aligned with all the stuff. If you require your writer to tick all of these boxes, these software boxes involved in our writing process. And essentially what that allows you to do is pay your writer their fee, but put the onus of quality entirely on their shoulders and then give your editors extremely straightforward, delineated checklist of how to check for quality and then deliver or publish through again to use a tool like Wordable to take from Google Docs and send it to CMS, you know, try to take all of the manual labor out of it and put it on your most affordable people. If that's writers, if that's VAs, whatever it is, uh, do it that way. Don't try to, if you have an expensive editor or an expensive manager, every single time, take as much off their shoulders as possible and put it onto the more affordable staff members. And that's how you save money and can deliver content at scale. No, I love it. And I also like that um, it, it is, it, it, wouldn't it be lovely if there was like a one size fits all solution to, instead of having oh, to man. use multiple tools. Nine different tools. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's so funny because I will tell this to, um, I'll tell this to different um, clients that I have because the same thing for, even in terms of like social media reporting for clients, um, LinkedIn is a completely closed architecture. So we have to do manual tabulation sometimes and then include something else and then something else. And it's like a Frankenstein report that we have to do. And, and then um, I tell the client that we have to, this is our process. And it's like, oh, 
And I said, is that, oh, because you think I'm small time because I have to use multiple tools to get one result? I mean, that's yeah. what we have to do to yeah, get yeah, a result yeah. for you. It, they don't all talk together. Um, okay, so one more, um, one more question I have for you that is definitely something that I think is very important for people that are looking to really make some investments into content is what are the, in terms of success, what results should they be looking at? What KPI should they be focusing on? Because if they're going to be hiring a content firm, that's, that's one of the things that I do feel like they get wrong a lot. Um, and what, what, what say you? I mean, it goes back to a bit to, to, okay. A couple different things. Firstly, we talked briefly about the idea of like ads versus long-term growth through content. And I want to talk to that really briefly yes. because ultimately, yes, there's a significant investment in the, in the beginning, the early days of content creation, significant investment. However, if you create a content plan with intention and you support your content and you add links and you're making sure that you're doing everything you need to do from best practices perspective, you can get massive traffic month on month without any additional investment. Once it gets to the first page, you throw a little bit of optimization, a little bit of love to it on a six month basis and it stays there. And it's just consistently driving high intent traffic to your site without you paying on a monthly basis for ads. So as far as metrics go, until you get to that position. And once you get to that position, I would say the metric, once you get ranking content, I would say a legitimate metric is traffic because you're only targeting high intent key phrases. So you know that the value of, of people who are clicking on those articles and it's coming through to your site are good. Um, otherwise we have a different metric of like, and I think conversion is legit, but like, if you're creating high intent articles and high intent content exclusively, then you know the traffic's coming to your site is good. So traffic is a legitimate metric as a result. However, that's early, that, that, that's later stage. Um, yes, please go, yeah. No, 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 I'm, go. Oh, so early days though, I would say ranking positions of the content you create are a really, really important metric. The reason for that is that what we do with the content plan that I recommend, the pillar of post method, is that you create your pillar pieces that are really competitive in high volume search terms, and then you support them with related content, lower volume, low competition, lower competition. Now, what's interesting with the support pieces is that the value of their links, the support that they're giving to the pillars, changes as they start ranking better. So when they're ranking on the first page for even a low volume, low competition search term, they're giving more love, more powerful, impactful link love to the pillar pieces that they're supporting. So a metric that you should really be keeping in mind is where are my URLs ranking and for what search terms? So if you have hundred pieces of content published and the average, and like I actually do it on a URL basis, you wanna know exactly what they're ranking for and where. Because if a support piece of content or a pillar is ranking in 11th position for a key phrase, then you want that to be a core metric of your content plan. Because you can give it a little bit of love, a little bit of optimization, do some rewrites, add in some content, add some images, make sure it's linked well, and it goes to the first page of Google. And when it goes to the first page of Google, you're not, you're not only driving traffic, but you're also, with that URL, driving way more link love to the pieces that it's supporting the pillar pieces and vice versa. Um, so first and foremost metric would be, yeah, rankings and then down the line uh, traffic. But keep rankings in mind the entire time because you should be investing in optimization of existing content as much as you're creating that new. 
right. once you have significant numbers of content, a significant amount of content. Yeah. That's excellent. Um, J James, I mean, this is all excellent information. I think that you really did uncover a lot of different pieces of content strategy that is, I know, asked to me a lot. And I'm sure a lot of people out there that are looking to kind of level up their content game are definitely um, looking for answers to these questions. So um, if uh, I'm obviously going to put your links in the um, in the description of the show, but where's the best uh, place for someone to learn more about you and get in touch? For sure. I mean, you can head to the website, codeless.io. Uh, we're a content agency. We do pretty good work, I think. And uh, honestly, realistically, though, like I'm happy to always talk content. As I said, I love this subject. Uh, you can email me at james at codeless.io, and I'm happy to get involved and answer questions or anything we need to talk about. Um, yeah, it's probably the best place. Excellent. Well, James, thanks so much for being on the Bulletproof Marketer. Man, it was fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. All right, folks, after the break, um, another segment. I don't know which one it is. Uh, we'll see you after the break. Okay, so skincare is definitely something that's really important to me, but at the same time, I don't have a lot of time. So I really want the most bang for my buck and something that is very, very fast and efficient. And that's when I found Truly Clear. Now, when I found Truly Clear, it's a really great product that actually helps acne. So if you have, um, if you have a child that has acne or you have adult acne, whatever, just want clean face. I just love the product because why? Because it's, it's smarter, faster, and better. It calms your skin. It stops acne and it heals your skin. So it does the full range of nourishment on your skin. I mean, simply put truly clear stops acne, clears blackheads and whiteheads quickly. You can use it anywhere you have acne, just one or two times daily or less for less than five minutes. That's the best part, less than five minutes for long lasting results. So if you have acne that you wanna clear up or you just wanna have beautiful glowing skin like the Bulletproof Marketer, then you gotta check out Truly Clear. Visit them online. It's trulyclear.com, T-R-U-L-Y-C-L-E-A-R.com. Again, trulyclear.com, fast, smart, just better. And we are back. All right. So what a fantastic interview with James. Uh, I, I love talking about content marketing because it's something that it's kind of boundless. Um, and, you know, I could have talked to James for an hour. There's just so many different ways that you can just look at it and track it and uh, et cetera, et cetera. But Fantastic tips there from James. Um, definitely check him out as well as Matt. Um, some two great interviews for us today. But now we are going to be going into one of my favorite segments, which is BPM versus Stockholm Syndrome. So, okay. All right, marketers, you know something, you aren't crazy. You just think that you are. What I'm talking about is marketer Stockholm Syndrome, where we get so far into our heads that we can't see reality, much less what's about five feet in front of us. So this is where I can help. If I can just help one marketer from not going, what am I doing wrong and feel empowered, I've succeeded. So what's today's topic? One that I think all the marketers out there will get a little bit of a kick out of, which is why aren't you doing as well as the, this competitor? Why are we not getting these types of results? Now, one of the things, if you're talking about digital marketing, when you're looking over the fence or not necessarily maybe you, maybe your boss, maybe your clients, 
maybe somebody else that's not you is saying, why are they able to get this and we aren't? Now, as a thoughtful marketer, you're probably looking through all of the things that you're doing in your campaign and what you could do better. And maybe taking a look at some of their things and, and maybe struggling to figure out what is the secret sauce? Why is this company doing so well? First thing that we wanna do, are you comparing apples to apples? Or are you, are you comparing apples to Buicks? Because if I have a client that is selling their own types of pens, it's completely organic, vegan, cruelty-free pens. Um, I'm sure there's a market for it. So they're doing that. And they come and say, Chris, um, why don't we have, uh, why don't, why aren't we growing as fast as Bic is? Look at, look at this, look at this account. Look at how many engagements they're getting. That's where I want to be. Why aren't we there? Well, how long have you been around? How many sales are you making? What's your reputation within the industry? Um, how many SKUs do you have? How much? money are you bringing in a year in sales there's lots of different figures that is going that is going to help you look at this and understand okay if they are 10 times larger we should get 10 times less results so scaling your competitors to a, a, a break-even analysis almost i guess you can say is a better way of looking at it rather than looking at somebody and for example if i look at Bic. I'm going to see, oh gosh, look at all these, look at all these likes. But you look at this post that could be on Instagram or Twitter or even LinkedIn, and it's getting all of these reactions and comments and shares. And you're like, oh my God, I need to, this, this is a winner. I have to copy this. You're missing something that's also very essential to these companies. They have extremely sizable marketing and advertising budgets. So Whereas the post could look like it was created by a teenager who can't spell and designed in um, Microsoft Word, it looks terrible and it's getting all this engagement. Maybe they have $2,000 behind that post to advertise it or boost it in order to get engagement and show engagement. And this is a strategy that helps a lot of companies of a certain size with a disposable income um, budget for advertising to really, really shine and grow. So without knowing what the ad spend is, a lot of the things that you see on social media aren't real. Now you can through Facebook ad marketplace, you can take a look and see who's advertising what, but you can't always see what they're spending, if ever. Um, there are tools out there that kind of give you some insights, but I don't feel like their insights are always as accurate as you think. But what I want you to understand is that having a lot of skin in the game that, that allows you to build a lot of visibility and engagement and being a, a household name or well-known within the industry that you're targeting. If you're someone new to the party and you're finding trouble growing, these firms grew through law, lots of spending. And it is the truth. And if we're looking at organic social media success, again, folks, we have to spend some money in order to get that. So I always say, I've coined the term organic plus in terms of the Go Agency, because what we'll do is we'll create beautifully orga beautiful organic content, but then we can boost it to audiences that are actually going to see it. So we put some advertising dollars behind it. Now we're not creating an ad, we're just paying to show it to more people.
We're not paying for a click-through or a conversion or anything. We're just going for engagement. So these are things just to remember because when your boss comes in or sends you a link and says, why aren't we doing this? And they're showing you a post that's terribly written, awfully designed, is getting no valuable anything, and you really can't explain it, explanation is probably a budget. So just saying when you feel that you are stuck in how am I ever going to grow like this big company did, level set your competition, think about the advertising budget and think about how reputable they are or what sort of engagement they have within their target audience. All right, so just wanted to put that out there next time you're thinking about this because we all think about it. We're all looking over the fence to see how someone's performing a little bit better. And sometimes the things that you can glean are not always what they seem. So after the break, we're going to be talking about one of my silver bullets to the digital, to digital marketing success for your company or your consultation practice, whatever you got going on over there. So after the break, come on back. All right. I have a pretty picky pet. Our golden doodle, Olive, is leaning pretty heavy on the poodle side and is pretty picky about her food. You know, that is until she tried Square Pet. Okay, before she tried Square Pet, we've given her like 14 different types of food. And but we've let, we've let her try it out for a while. We're not changing it every day. Don't, don't be a hater. But uh, we gave her Square Pet and she gobbled it up and is totally eating only that now, which is great because it's a healthy, all natural pet nutrition that's been developed by veterinary professionals using only the highest quality and responsibly sourced ingredients. There are solutions for both dogs and cats. You know, I, I'm, I'm not biased. Dogs or cats, everyone's welcome. As well as specialized diets that are backed by science. I'm so overprotective of Olive and I want to treat her like a queen. So Square Pets, it is, folks. Learn more and order a bag of tryout today at mysquarepet.com. Again, mysquarepet.com. Woof. All right, we're back. Silver bullet time, folks. Each week I want to dive into a topic that's a silver bullet or a proven secret technique to reach and attain your marketing goals. This week's silver bullet, creating a strong peer network. Okay, so you're telling us to create a support group for, my, for our efforts. No, find people that are as smart as you in different areas or do something very similar to what you do and connect with them for a monthly meeting. And everybody just talk about what's going on in their world and talk about issues and problems and how to solve them. Um, I am involved in a couple of these. And at first, of course, you may be dubious as well. I was dubious. I was like, oh. I last thing I want to do is get on a call and have a whole bunch of people sell to me their stinking products. I mean, that's the last thing I want to do. Um, but after the first call, we all felt very comfortable sharing problems that we are having. And I have to say that I've never been able to solve problems that I've had as an agency owner or marketer faster than when talking to these other people and, and hearing other people's takes on stuff, um, other, other ways of client handling, um, digital marketing campaign ideas, how to execute a strategy that lasts a little bit longer when some of them are dying off. There's tons of great ideas. And also you'll be giving as well because you can share your own insights on how other people can level up their game. 
But I'm telling you, it's a great thing to do. You can find people. What I do is if you're talking to people and you're networking, try to collect people that you think would be good for that. And then you can spearhead it, head it yourself. Create a Zoom invitation. Say, hey, we're all going to jump on a Zoom and just like just chat and network. That's totally fine. Do something like that. It's pretty easy. And I think it also, talking about the Stockholm Syndrome, it's nice hearing other people that are in the same industry as you that aren't sharing your own interests in terms of the same clients, the same campaigns. Everyone has their own projects that they're working on, but you'll be amazed at how many common issues that you have and how some people have already mastered them and you can just take their strategy and use it successfully. So that's your silver bullet. After the break, we're gonna do a little bit of a roundup action. So join me back here in a minute. So when any of my clients ask me, hey, do you guys do PR? I always say, no, I hate it. I dislike the media and dealing with them. Well, that's pretty true. So uh, obviously I don't wanna leave anybody high and dry. So the number one person that I recommend is my good friend, April Margulies. April is the CEO and founder of Trust Relations, a national PR firm that totally kicks ass. Why do I know that they kick ass? Because they've gotten me into many, many national magazines and they've helped many of the referrals that I've sent over to them get some really phenomenal national acclaim. And they could do the same thing for you. So if you were looking for some PR coverage for your company, your brand, or just yourself as a thought leader, I really suggest that you go and visit them. You can go to trustrelations.agency. Again, that's trustrelations.agency. Ask for April and tell them the Bulletproof Marketer sent you. Hey, we're back. It's time for a roundup. What was your favorite part of today's show? Tweet me at BP Marketer and let me know. Also, be sure to sign up for our companion newsletter. Go to gosalesandmarketing.com and use the pop-up to gain access to the inner circle and get daily tips like the ones we shared um, on the show today delivered right to your inbox. So what did we learn today? We learned that um, Twitter is opening up shop and you need to freaking listen and get ready for it. Amazon is going to make you a free DJ uh, overnight. So they're launching into social audio and you need to be paying attention to social audio. Clavio has lots of new features that's gonna level up campaigns. So right in time for you to start planning what you're gonna be doing for the summer and the fall. And a lot of companies are looking to bring back marketing in-house. So digital marketing is going to be happening in the actual company rather than being outsourced 100% of the time. Then we had some fantastic um, insights on partner programs as well as content. Um, with my friends, um, Matt and James. And then we talked about how looking over the fence isn't always the best way of understanding what your direct competitor is doing and how to level set in order to figure out what the real lay of the land is. And then the power of having a peer group of people that you can kind of share ideas with to help grow your business organically. So folks, really, really fun show. Love talking to you. Um, please subscribe, check out the past shows. Lots of good content out there for you to um, enjoy. But I got to run. Be kind, be authentic, and be bulletproof. Until next time, folks.